creativity belongs to everybody. Mm. Every single person has a creative spark in them, whatever it may be. Thinking of how many people worked on every single one of these terrible movies, they all in some aspect created something together. And I think that is beautiful. Hey everybody, sorry this is dropping so late. The holiday season is really slamming me. Speaking of holidays, let's talk quickly about gratitude. If anything, this show's got me thinking about how to keep the things I'm grateful for in my mind during trying times. Not as a passive, soothing ritual, but as a call to action. Yeah, the world is literally on fire, but the world is still full of beautiful things, so I can't stop working. For the holidays this year, how can you use what you're grateful for to keep yourself going and spread a little love? Also, if you need a good conversation starter, might I recommend asking the people around your dinner table what their one good thing is? If you need a little extra help, use the little and big G idea. Anyway, I'm grateful for you guys. Thank you for listening. And one more small thing. If you look in my show notes, you'll see there's a link you can follow to donate to the show on Anchor, my hosting site. There are so many causes more worthy of your donation than my little podcast, Might I mention Union of Concerned Scientists? They do really good work. But if you've done your giving rounds and still feel so moved, throw your humble host a dollar. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Uh, Hey, everybody, and uh, welcome back to At Least There's This, the Wild West version, because we're all fucking living in the Wild West right now. Uh, There is no law, uh, there is very little order, but what there is is lots of gunfights and dust and sand because Jeff Sessions stepped down not too long ago. It seems like every election is uh, rigged and everything's on fire. So this is just a giant, like, weird West version of America that we're living in, and I hope that means that I get to be some kind of cool outlaw sheriff or something like that, and I don't have to just be the boring guy who you uh, interact with when you need to buy chickens or something. That's my hope. Probably lost you guys by now. At least there's this is a show about some of the small good things in our world of hurt, and boy is the world hurting right now. But in a world where there's all of that lawlessness, at least there's... Random bundles of VHSs from eBay. Guys, I am with the wonderfully three-named Maggie Mae Fish of YouTube, formerly of Crack. Maggie, say hi. Hello. <laughs> okay. Hi. Oh, we got it twice. I did it. Okay. Yeah, good job. No, you win. You. <laughs> what? Um, for those of my audience who don't know you, mm-hmm. can you kind of intro yourself a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I am an actor and writer uh, out here in L.A., um, on YouTube, I do uh, reviews of films uh, and how like culture, how we're impacted as a culture by films and how uh, culture impacts films themselves. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's dive right in. Maggie, are you, would you say an optimist, pessimist, or something else? God, you know what? I feel like I ask myself this question a lot. I hope for the best. Okay. Does that make me an optimist? Uh, this is uh, your ball game. I got, I got, I guess. I think mostly I'm a realist. Okay. Um, and but I try to be p- 
positive. Tell me about that realism because people can define realism in so many ways. Yeah. How do you define it? Oh, man. God. Um, I, I, you know what? Growing up, I used to be a, a big optimist. Okay. All the, like, I, I would, I played a lot of sports and the whole like visualizing, like visualizing the ball going to the right. hoop, visualizing you making the goal. Um, I do that with like almost everything. So I like, oh, you know, visualize going into that audition and like nailing it. And, you know, oftentimes that doesn't happen. And then I get, and then I used to get extremely depressed uh, because I would set myself mm-hmm. up to succeed. <laughs> and when I failed, I. Uh, it's your fault. It's my fault. Of course it is. Whose else would it be? So yeah, I still I just so now I try to keep a better balance. I still love visualizing. Okay. I still do it when I fall asleep at night. I like to think like, oh, like in a perfect world, like this is what it would look like. Or you know, when I finish my screenplay, it's gonna be like this and that. Um, yeah, but then I try to talk myself back down and be like, and if it doesn't happen, that's okay too. So is this a runaway thing? Like, are you actively doing this, or is this something that your head just goes for? Uh, uh it just does it, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've also I I've been in therapy for the past year, and my therapist has been <laughs> like teaching me how to like staying optimistic, but then also you know talking myself down, like. Also, if it doesn't happen, you know what? Mm. Yeah, yeah, you know what? You still got your two feet. You still got, uh, you know. But what if you don't have your two feet anymore? God, uh, and then, then, then I spiral, then I spiral <laughs> and then down. we fall back into a yeah. depression. Okay. Being in therapy for the last year is one of the. If this was Pee Wee's Playhouse, when my guest says, "Well, I've been in therapy for the last year," mm. that's when the the bell would go off. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, everybody, myself included, I think, has been in some sort of therapy for the past year. For the past yeah. year. <laughs> What does realism look like in your day-to-day concerning the world? Uh, concerning the world, um, I I think when first everything started to get crazy, I was actually working for um, a news site uh, where I would write scripts for like a newscast. And it was incredibly tough because I would read everything. I like emotionally invested in everything that I read and it was exhausting and I ended up quitting because I could and I was like I, I really can't handle this anymore so I think now I'm a little more optimistic that I think uh this is a big like learning patch for okay. uh, us in America and um so now when I read terrible things uh, I take it more on the chin and try to in- invest less emotion into every single small up and down. Even like the midterm elections, you know, I was like incredibly happy with how they turned out. Mm-hmm. I was so happy. And yeah, we like didn't win every single election, but uh, yeah, I, c- I couldn't let myself be worried about every single one. <laughs> right. So, so is it sort of you've pulled back empathetically with the situation? A little bit yeah I just I, I I look at it more like as a whole big picture um and I don't try to stress about every single um small event because I just I mentally can't handle it, <laughs> it <will. laughs> exhaust you to the point yes. uh, of catatonia yes uh, yeah. yeah no I I absolutely feel that where mm-hmm. you just can't it's it's trying to walk that fine line of Caring, but yes. not caring. Yes, please don't abandon caring. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, looking at things like as a bigger picture has definitely been helpful um, in trying to 
take a step back and be like, okay, like I said, you know, uh, viewing it as a growing patch for America, which like still isn't great and still that makes me feel terrible. Feels like a very optimistic way oh. to look at it. Yeah. Yes. I okay. This might be a <laughs> this might be a false dynamic, but I would mm. see pessimism as it's going to shit. Mm-hmm. It is going down the tracks and we're going to explode. We're going right. to hit a barrel full of dynamite. Uh, chickens everywhere. Again, the chickens. Again, if you were chickens. manning the chicken uh, in this wild, wild west, they that, would be going right, everywhere. My chickens would be gone. I, yes. I keep I keep coming back to that. I think that's who I am at heart. Me too. So we're, we're, chick, we're chicken people. Quack, quack. <laughs> neutral. So neutral, like, realism, I suppose, although that, that is a loaded phrase, would be uh-huh. like, we're going down a track. And I think optimism, at least in this case, it sounds like, well, this will, this is a positive occurrence. Tastes like shit, but Tastes it's medicine. Tastes like shit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do feel that. I feel like there there's enough good people uh, that I think we can turn this thing around. Um, I think a lot of the new people we elected, you know, makes me, like, super happy. And that gets me very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very, very nice little insight into huh. how you tick. Uh, <laughs> now let's talk about something that I am going straight to the deep end with <laughs> you. Because, man, do I not know where we're going with this oh, shit. Oh, great. Random boxes of eBay VHSs. Yes. And, in fact, I brought several oh, uh, fuck. to share. All right. So. Well, uh, this is the first show and tell we've ever had. Really? Yeah. Oh, great. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Very recently, we bought a VHS uh, in my household. Uh, okay. Me, my partner, Um, We live with my best friend and her boyfriend. So, yeah, we bought a VHS player, and we started looking on eBay. And lo and behold, they have treasure troves of just bundles of, like, 10 very random VHSs. So you just say, give me 10, please, and they give Give you Give me 10, please, yes. Uh, Most of them have previews. Like, they'll they'll show pictures of what it looks like. Um, so, I mean, I can bring out a few. If yeah, you I'm not stopping you. <laughs> Why would you think I would stop you from doing that? Uh, I brought some, some very special ones that have really just been a, such a delight. Oh, God, um, the VHS box itself is such a... It's beautiful. It's such a flash. Like, look at that wear and Whoa, tear. Whoa, what the fuck am I looking okay, at? Okay, so, uh, I did want to bring up this one specifically. This is, uh, called Don't Tell Daddy. <laughs> With Ava Gardner and Elena Moon. Are these uh, famous people? No, not are these, at all. Are these porn actors? Uh, well, here's the thing. This was a surprising great find because on its surface, yes, it does just look like a porn film. And when we put it in, we very much expected it to be porn. It turns out it is actually a very progressive, sex-positive, female-led story about these women who... Just, like, go out and have fun and have very fun, consensual, loving sex. Is this, is this like, a sex farce? Uh, yes, okay. yes. It was funny. It was hilarious. It has a great comedic performance by the guy playing their dad, who's, like, this dunce who they kind of just, like, run around. Yeah. So did you watch it all the way through? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So when you put it in, you were expecting, you know how, like, sometimes people in, like, middle school and college will, like, all watch porn together as, yeah. like, a goof? Uh-huh. Were you expecting this to be, like, a porn goof? I was absolutely expecting okay. it to be a porn goof. Yeah. And I it mean, wasn't a porn goof. It wasn't a porn goof. There was goose okay and there's definitely sexual situations okay but yeah all of it is like framed so positively 
Um, and like I said, the women are like all in control of their own sexuality. I think it, it's a foreign film. It was made in, it's a French foreign film. Okay. Yeah, and I think it, w- it was made during the like sexual revolution time. So it was a lot of like, oh, isn't the old generation so uptight? And aren't we free? <laughs> and aren't isn't this just going to come around full circle in a couple of years and be oh, depressing again? Yes, unfortunately, one day, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be terrible. So but... how often before we get into more titles? Because <laughs> this is fucking fun. I've never done this before. How often do you um, do this? So, and I'm not talking about porn goose. No, okay. <laughs> it's much fun. If you want to talk about porn goose, that's fine. I mean, I do love them. I gotta say, do love porn goose. Uh, honestly, we'll probably watch about. Wow, during a week we'll watch four to five movies. Jesus, how do you have the time, Maggie? Uh, well, I, I, I'm an actor. Okay, <laughs> that's really the terrible answer to that question. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, well, I mean, half of it is because we're watching films for our, you know, our YouTube channel. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and a lot of the times we'll be taking notes during the film. It does feel like work for okay. most of it. Okay. But, like, two out of the five movies we watch will be very terrible, silly films uh, that have nothing to do with anything. And they're all a delight. That sounds fun. So even though mm-hmm. you watch movies almost professionally you all you still find joy in doing it as a pastime uh yeah absolutely uh yeah i feel like i've made it a mission in my life to only do work that i find fun <laughs> that's a great mission to uh, have. so yeah so right now that means watching movies and uh writing essays about them so so what's fun then about about watching, I guess watching movies in general, but that, I mean more like what's fun about all this nonsense? Man, I I think that's it is nonsense. Okay. Uh, I think honestly my, my comedy style is very like whimsical and ab- absurdist. And I think bad films have that element of absurdity because they just, for whatever reason, they they don't know what they're doing. And so scenes won't make sense that are next to each other. They'll introduce a plot point that have nothing to do with anything. Characters will just disappear in the middle. And they seem to be very important, and then they'll just vanish. Uh, and it's so mind-boggling that it's just a delight. Is, is the <laughs> delight that it begs questions, that it makes you, like, wait, why? Yeah, yes. Is that the fun? Yeah, I think... I think sometimes more than uh, very good, like, hand-holding studio films, there's not much room for questioning. Right. It's like, oh, gee, they showed us, you know, the MacGuffin 16 times. I wonder what will <laughs> right. save us in the last five minutes of the movie. But with with a film that is not that well thought out, just everything is a surprise. Uh, so many questions. In a way that I think it actually makes you engage with the material. That's fascinating to me. That yeah. I've used this metaphor before, mm-hmm. and I used it with Jamie uh-huh. Loftus, but they, <laughs> I'm not going to use it for the same thing. It's just a really apt metaphor for yeah. a lot of different solutions. But so you know when you drop a Mentos into a Coke bottle and it explodes, yeah, and it does that because the Mentos isn't smooth. It's got a bunch of pock marks like a golf ball. Mm-hmm. So there's more places for the the carbon dioxide. It, monoxide whichever one is delicious and you can drink and whichever one doesn't kill you great to grab onto it and like make it explode mm-hmm. i feel like a shit movie how you're describing it at least it has all these little 
it has all this surface area of yes. bullshit. You can be like, what's going on? What is going on? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, similarly, last night uh, we watched a movie that was made in China last year, um, and it's great. It's one Which of the. Which one? It's called Paradox, Seen 2017. It is phenomenal. Not a terrible bad VHS okay. movie. Like it is so good. One of the best action films that I've watched in a long time. But again, because it was a foreign film, there was a lot of things that we like didn't really understand right. and there was like time jumps and the structure of it was a little weird but again in a way that made us engage so hard mm. because like the answers weren't easy and we were really questioning like what's happening it sounds like the fun for you is engagement is being made mm. to be present yes because there's something i notice with people about it feels like it's a split about this topic but it could be anything mm. is like Sometimes weird stuff makes you check out, and sometimes it makes you check in. Yeah. And it is, I think the older, maybe it's just that I'm getting older, or it might be something to do with the time we live in, but it gets harder and harder and harder to be right here. No, I agree. Yeah, that's actually I, one of the things I talk a lot about in the film video essays I do is Studio Hollywood Systems and how we get these like cookie-cutter movies now that are so hard to sit through and so hard to feel connected to yeah. just because it, it it either like doesn't say anything new or it's like we've been here before or even the I really did not like Bohemian Rhapsody uh I I didn't want to see it I got this yeah. sense it was going to essentialize this really cool story into just like some midwestern mom bullshit yeah oh precisely yeah and it was it was incredibly hard to watch all the way through I got up went to the bathroom like three times and yeah. you only had to pee two of those times yeah no the other time I did just walk around <laughs> to get a breather because uh it uh didn't sit well with me <laughs> I mean, Rami Malek looks sexy. Yeah, but even like, but just not as sexy as Freddie Mercury. Yeah, but I mean, how, you can't how really. How can anyone? Yeah, how can anyone? <laughs> so you were saying that these cookie cutter movies, it's almost mm -hmm. like you're you're walking down a slide, right? There's yes. nowhere to, to dig your foot in. Yeah, yeah. It's just an easy, nice, easy slide. You can just go in and not think too hard. And I don't really, I don't like that with my, my films, my like media, I, I want it to, to make me think or, you know, pull me out of my brain that yeah. overthinks, overprocesses, make me, you know, make me laugh at a sex romp. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a puzzle, which oh. makes me curious about this next one. Leads me to a body puzzle. <laughs> That's such a hardcore 80s name. <laughs> I know. And I, I love the, um, uh, what do you call it? Like the, the jigsaw puzzle thing? The jigsaw or... puzzle. And then it says under here. Oh, the uh, blurb. The blurb. He won't quit until he gets his final piece. Body puzzle. That could mean anything. That could be like about some self-help, yes. like eat, pray, love kind yeah, of thing Yeah, the 12th step. He right. needs his last step. Yeah. Um, Tell us about body puzzle. So body puzzle, uh, this is one that I think we watched it when we were throwing a party and everyone stopped to watch because it was so baffling. Um, I'll read a, I'll read an excerpt from the back. It says, a serial killer is collecting pieces one by one and he won't quit until he gets the final piece. Which is exactly what they said on it's, the cover. Right, it's just a more <laughs> verbose thing for the cover. Yes. That's it? 
The re well, it says more, but it doesn't really say much. Will she be the next one to die, or is she the reason for all of the murders? What? Yeah. That gives me nothing. I know. So Body Puzzle, it's it's a again a baffling film because basically you're just what you watch a serial killer kill twelve people in a row, uh, without stopping. There's there's no plot in between. Um, so I I wouldn't actually say that it's a, it's a fun ride. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's it's definitely not a fun sex romp. Um, it's in that that's why it feels so poorly made because uh, it's a it's a big downer. Um, Is there a a narrative through it? Hardly so. Okay. Hardly. So what he he kills twelve victims and he takes a body piece from each. So he keeps like one hand. He keeps one arm. He keeps one leg. Um, and then, uh, I kind of forget the ending, but I think he's basically trying to make a person out of them. He's trying to make a Frankenstein? Yeah, I think he's trying to, uh, get the, make a copy of the girl who, um, won't date him. So he kills 12 people, and, uh, Does, do, yeah. does she have a right hand and a left hand that don't match? Oh my god. Is that why he's... Right, it also, it doesn't make any sense, because at the end of the day, it's never gonna look like... Right. The... The girl, and he, and it's all a variety of like ages that he kills and sexualities. So, um, yeah, and they don't really go and they don't explain it. That's just the worst possible mm -hmm. thing to get you go. So, what about this makes you happy? Ah, oh, man, uh, I to this one specifically, I think is more the mechanics that go into it. Okay, um, the actors in this are. My lord, <laughs> just um, just very earnest and over the top in a way that you will just never see in a in a in a movie made today in a bad way. What about that though makes you happy? That's a, I, I think it's because I I know that everyone uh in this movie is trying their best. Okay, like they they really think that they're giving. Per wonderful performances and honestly like according to their skill level they probably like they are for what these actors can do they're amazing performances and they're giving it their all and that's like kind of like inspiring to yeah. me uh you know like on the great british bake-off when someone tries so hard but they still like failed to make that cake you, you really feel them. for them it, this show always comes back to the great british bake does it really yeah. i i would assume so because it makes everyone universally happy universally yeah. happy i've had katie willard on two separate times oh and yeah i think she's brought it up <laughs> every time it's a phenomenal show um but yeah, so in that way, I think it, I I have empathy for the actors in this film. I have empathy for the writer of this film because, I, like, I I get it. It's a body puzzle, and you the pieces are the body. Like, I I get it, and it makes me like cringe. But like, right. I just picture the day that he thought of that idea, and then he sat down and wrote it. It's like it is oh. a fine horror idea <laughs> with garbage execution. Precisely. There are better things you could do with the body puzzle idea so many. than build a Frankenstein that you want to make into a sex doll. Yeah. So, so it makes you happy that it's all these people give... 
let me backtrack. Mm-hmm. You, you've, you've been talking about the studio system a lot, and the studio system mm-hmm. seems like they're all German engineers of what they do. Wow, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Right, like a mm-hmm. Marvel movie is, okay, we've got uh, Chris Evans, who's just always going to hit his mark. Yep. And we, the directors, the Russo brothers are always going to hit their marks, mm-hmm. and the producers are always going to nail it. Everyone's going to know how to do this thing perfectly that right. even if there's a little bit of like kerfuffle it's still fine they can still smooth it right? over they can smooth it over mm-hmm. even if it's like a, a dirty marvel movie like a deadpool or something like mm-hmm. no it's still clockwork yes and this is a bunch of people <gasps> fucking community theatering yes yeah and that makes you happy to see that there are real people doing shit is that I fair i think so okay. yeah they made a movie it's <laughs> in a vhs i have it like, as a person who watches movies, I was able to purchase this. Yeah. And that in itself is just a feat of the human will. That's true. It you, truly is. This doesn't happen easily. No, at no point did anyone give up in making this terrible, terrible film, which never should have been made. Yeah. No one gave up. So you are you a fan in general of terrible films? I think so. Okay. Yes. Terrible films in general, yes. Um, I, there are terrible films that I do not enjoy and will not sit through. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say, like, 25% of them just have, like, a beautiful, like, gem or it's so bad it's good or something about it, like, speaks to me creatively. <laughs> I... So that's there it's like a cultural force of watching bad films. I think that's been going around for like I mean since I was in high school. Yeah. Can you try to encapsulate why you think it's such a cultural force that people love to get together and watch bad movies? Man, I uh, I actually remember when it, when I went I was uh when I went to film school, I do remember uh we had a professor who lectured about it. Uh, and the points that he brought up, one of them is that because when a movie is so bad, you can see all the mistakes Mm -hmm. and in a way it feeds your ego Mm -hmm. because you're able to see all the booms in the shot. Right. (laughs) And, you know, somewhere, even if you don't think it directly in the back of your brain, it's like, oh, I would never do that. It's Nietzsche's will to power. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like getting off on the cruelty. Ha ha. I am so above this. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't like to feed that gremlin too much because okay. I don't think – because, again, that's a little egotistical, and I mm. don't think that's the best way to enjoy it. Um, but I do think the other reason uh, is because of the absurdity. In a way, it's able to capture absurd comedy a lot of times without it all being on purpose. Um accidental um absurdity is so fun to see and watch it's fun i think i think i'm picking up on it because the world is absurd oh yeah we live in a <laughs> fucking absurd right? world but we do, we don't see it a lot yeah and people are always trying to paste over how absurd it all is <laughs> and then like a marvel movie is just that it's like this is an absurd. Right. A plus B equals C. Right. It's yeah. all clean. And uh-huh. when you see it done poorly, like when you see, uh, like, did you ever see um, Suicide Squad? Oh, oh yeah. God, what a piece I of would shit. Put, yeah, I would put that on a DVD and pop it in. It's and... the worst movie I've ever seen, yeah. I think. Yes. And that movie is like trying to do the same shit, but you're just like, 
oh, this oh. stuff that I was led to believe was normal <laughs> is fucking crazy. Yes. It's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. It lets you kind of deconstruct mm -hmm. the narrative of normalcy. Yeah. And I think the same way about a lot of things, like the way we write history, the way mm -hmm. we tell stories. When we retell a story, we add our own Marvel veneer over it. We make everything make sense. We mm -hmm. make A plus B equals C because that is more comforting. Mm -hmm. It's more, yes, if like the world worked that way, it would be wonderful. Right. Like if your perception of what happened is the only perception, then like what an easy, wonderful life. But that's just like not true and that's not how it works. And like a million factors go into everything. There's a thousand facets to every story. And I think these just represent like really fragmented, but like real and honest story. They sometimes feel more honest yeah. than well-made stories to me. Right, it's it's not made well enough to veneer over yeah, it. Yeah, no. Interesting, do you wanna talk about another one? Sure, well, uh, this one's from a little more, this one's a little more recent, so maybe our viewers uh, might have seen it. It's uh, starring the wonderful Steve Gutenberg and uh, Kathleen Quinlan, which I don't know who that is, but um, Zeus and Roxanne. I've never heard of this before. Oh, but, boy. Uh, that's Steve Gutenberg, all right. Oh, God, Steve Gutenberg. He's uh, his most Gutenberg. <laughs> he's gooting it up. He's gooting it up. Can I read? Do you mind if I read this blurb? Please. A friendship no one ever thought possible. An adventure no one will ever forget. That is <laughs> so fucking cookie cutter. It's this one is a, quite a wild ride. Uh, it is about a dog who befriends a dolphin. Yeah, um, let me explain this box right now. So please, it is a typical island scene. You got palm tree fronds coming in on mm -hmm. the top right corner, and then sort of an ocean sunset. There's a dolphin cresting a wave, mm -hmm. and a dog looking uh, very happy riding the dolphin. I, <laughs> yeah. There's no way he's holding onto that dolphin. And then on the bottom right. There's who I imagine is Kathleen Quinlan mm -hmm. and and two awful-looking toe-headed children just staring <laughs> yes. right at you. They, they suck in the movie as well. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. they look like. And then on the left is, uh, the bottom left is Steve Gutenberg, mm -hmm. Guten it. And then a child that must be his child in this movie also looking into your soul. <laughs> Uh, and I kind of think I know everything I need to know about this movie based yeah. on Steve Gutenberg's uh, what looks like a puka shell necklace. Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it. Uh, that's the vibe of this film. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, the thing to me about this film that I do find precious is the actual stunt work with the dog and the dolphin. Wait, so they actually get the dog on the dolphin? Several times, and it is like jaw dropping impressive. Holy shit. Yeah, everything else about it is like, oh, they fell in love. Two families, what? They meet and they fall in love and they mix together perfectly. It's a Brady Bunch kind of situation. Very Brady Bunch, very like two older people falling in love. That but was if, very in. If the Alice 90s. were a dog and a dolphin. Yes. Okay. Yes, truly. Um but yeah, the actual stunt work with and the animal work is and it comes out of the blue. Like, there'll be, you know, like an okay scene of Steve Gutenberg being a dad who can't hold it together. Uh, and then the next scene will be this dog, like, seamlessly jumping onto the dolphin's back. The dolphin doing a full turn. The dog jumping back onto 
a boat and then the dolphin doing several flips in the air. Holy shit. Yeah. It's incredible. That's amazing. And like it no really one will is. ever know about that. And yes, this is just a movie that uh like where can you where can you find this? I would hope Amazon Studios probably has bought the rights <laughs> to it. You could probably find it there. Uh, I do hope this is on Amazon Prime because <laughs> if you guys have a free hour and a half to two hours, uh, I would say it's worth your time. So have you watched this all the way through? Oh yeah, definitely. And what was that like? Uh, this one was surprising. Uh, I did expect it to be more boring. Okay. Truly, honestly. It reminded me a little bit of the uh, Mary Kay Nashley kind of era of where, like, their parents fall in love. Mm. Billboard Dad-esque um, Sunset in the Sun, I think is one. I am not going to call you on any Mary Kay Nashley shit. Oh, I man. Didn't, yeah, I didn't watch I it. I should have picked Mary Kay Nashley you films. You should have. <laughs> but, yeah, it was actually, it was... It was very delightful, uh, mostly for the animal work. Because it tells you a lot about when it was made. That, yes. Like, this is – it. the thing for it – like, the, the reason the movie is is the animal shit. And yeah. then it's like, what do we have to put around all this cool animal stuff to, to get it made? It and this, like, parent trap-esque situation mm-hmm. is what they thought had to happen back then. Yeah. So many films follow that formula. Uh, it's very weird. But, yes, I would say – this is very much like um, It Takes Two. If you take out Mary Kay and Ashley, but put in a dolphin <laughs> and a dog, and that's basically the plot. Really? Yeah. That's that's so... It's crazy what got greenlit. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. How yeah. does that make you feel about movies now? Uh, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, the I guess the like updated version of this is like... You know the third Grinch. Like, oh, did we really need that? I don't know, but did we, we need have a it. First Grinch. Uh, uh, huh. Huh. Our our movies now. I think the bad shit is just reboots and and sequels, where we just can't <laughs> stop getting more of it. I don't need any more of that. No, truly not. Um, and we definitely didn't need another story about parents falling in love. Um. But this does have the added charm of uh, two two great animals being heavily featured. Yeah. But again, I think the fun of this is, uh, again, everyone just working their hardest. Mm-hmm. Like someone sitting down to write a screenplay about uh, a dolphin and a dog falling in love. Um, I find that so precious. And then Steve Gutenberg just Guten- laying it on. So when, <laughs> when you watch a... Uh, shall we say, normal movie now. Mm -hmm. A movie that wasn't relegated to the eBay bin. Yes. With this, do you bring a new perspective to it? Uh, I think so. I, you know, I have less expectations for it to be a body puzzle or a don't tell daddy. Um, I probably won't be laughing at the mechanics so much. Mm -hmm. But that adds to a lot of my joy. Like, uh, from... You know, it's a snapshot of, like, the 90s uh, in a way that, you know, I was a kid back then, so I didn't really get to see it from this perspective. Right. Um, But being in those shoes, you know, like, what would I – a 16-year-old going to see this movie in the theaters in the 90s, like – yeah, it's kind of a snapshot of the time. Does it help you kind of deconstruct the mythos of the era or of – 
kind of the world we're living in in general because i also grew up in the 90s yeah. and now looking back at like uh saved by the bell and you're like that's what normal is and i'm like wait they wore that those dumb clothes and <laughs> use that stupid slang like, i watched um I watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey uh, oh, a couple yeah. of weeks ago, and I still Keanu Reeves is uh, a gift from heaven. Everything heaven. he makes is amazing. Amazing. And the movie is still really funny, but mm -hmm. there's all these things that are like, oh, that was a laugh line. And it isn't even that it's like offensive Ooh. now. And there's some of that there, but it's like, why did people think that that weird affect was funny? Or Yeah. I mean, uh, this might rub a lot of feathers, but I, I only saw Austin Powers for the very first time like a month ago you didn't rub any feathers um that was a weird turn of phrase it is a, <laughs> uh it's a terrible it was a terrible movie i did not laugh once and i felt sad many times during it oh no only because i i from what i expected it to be yeah because i just had this perception of like oh it's like mike myers being his Mike Myers and like you know I'll be prepared to laugh at just like really dumb stuff. I went in with that mindset, um, and it just like felt like a slog and like I maybe like three big laughs, right? But for the most part, I was like, um, I guess it was just a big part of its time. Like the humor yeah. came from when. It feels like a lot of stuff is a conversation with the time period it yes. came out in. And mm -hmm. like a good movie can continue to have that conversation even outside of its time. Mm -hmm. I feel like everything you're telling me is that these <laughs> terrible movies help you hear the other part of the conversation the movie was assuming it would be having. Yes. It, yes. It's basically like it's presenting you one piece of the puzzle. Yes. Um, one which piece of the body puzzle. One piece of the body puzzle. Uh, and it's uh, it helps highlight the other side of it where it's like, yeah, in the 90s, people kind of had it like easy comparatively. Yeah. There was an economic boom. Um, yeah. People wanted like fun stories about falling in love. Uh, they didn't want... You know, that's, like, what they went to the theaters to go see. Um, yeah. Uh, aspirational, a lot of the films right. are. So, yeah, it's very fun to see. Um, yeah, I, do, I, I love 80s movies for, like, how extreme and over the top they are. Because, again, it's, like, in that era, you know, it was all, all about excess and uh -huh. uh, living it to the fullest. Um, and, you know, women entering the workforce. And uh, so, yeah, that kind of speaks to that. Yeah, it's interesting to see how uh, it converses with the time it's from. Yeah, it seems that like a, a really transcendent movie mm. might might not show you that because it's like right. like if you're watching Alien or something like, well, that's a fucking good movie. Yeah, it's it, yeah universal. It's like it hits to like a core of something right. that is just will always be a part of humanity. And, um, yeah. Whereas, like, Steve Gutenberg, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Not so much. And he lets you know, you're like, oh, that is what people thought was cool back then. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's like listening to, like, really mediocre pop music a couple years too late. Instru yes. Uh-huh. Just, like, the run-of-the-mill shit just does not hold up anymore. It's <laughs> so forgettable. They're like Jason Derulo's. Oh, my God. The Jason Derulo's. Right. You're like, we like that? Yeah. That was, I danced to that oh, in I'm middle school. I'm sad. God. In middle school? When were you in middle school? I don't remember. 
<laughs> when were you born? Uh, 91. Okay, I was born in 90. So okay. Jason Drillo was out when we were in middle school? I think so. Maggie, we're so old, man. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Um, okay, we're talking about... We are talking about bad movies. You have a couple more we can talk about, but I also want to sort of bring this back to the way I like to um, structure things. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to use this thing, this heuristic, I guess, for talking about ideas, which is a big G and a little G good. And it is, everyone knows it's bullshit. It's something I'm forcing <laughs> onto a conversation. It's not uh, real, but but uh-huh. it it makes a conversation easier. So yeah. the little G good is kind of the shit we were talking about we're like oh it makes me feel a little hope it makes me laugh Mm -hmm. the big g that's the sort of global g is like how does this to me how is this evidence that it is better that the world exists Mm -hmm. right that that we live it is good yeah can you extrapolate any kind of that larger g from this i think so i think for me the larger G, and, and the more I watch, the more like I, I feel this, mm-hmm. is that, one, I think creativity belongs to everybody. Mm. Every single person has a creative spark in them, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be cooking. It could be thinking of how many people worked on every single one of these terrible movies. They all, in some aspect, created something together. And I think that is beautiful. I truly think it is. Uh, it doesn't, you know, kind of at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it was a terrible movie, if the plot makes zero sense. Um, it, the other one I have in front of me, Angel Fist. Yeah, I was waiting for you to bring uh, up Angel Fist. Um, I, yeah, the the idea that the creative spark is in all of us and then also um, the idea of perseverance as well because – Again, there are a hundred times in Body Puzzle that they should have stopped. <laughs> they should have stopped what they were doing, um, but they didn't. And I also think that that is beautiful. And that perseverance, I, I think that's kind of like part of being human, and that's a beautiful part of being human, um, is the able to overcome our obstacles to achieve our goals, you know, with teamwork, uh, with creativity, um, with just sheer stupidity sometimes. Uh, yeah, it, in a way, I, I think it's all beautiful. It makes me um, makes me happy and hopeful. Oh, that is, that is wonderful. That makes <laughs> me happy and hopeful too. Yeah. So we have just a little bit more time. Cool. If you, if you could, do you think you can describe Describe the feeling of watching a terrible movie. Like, what when you sit down, almost give us like a painting of what that feels like. Okay, uh, I could, I'll, I'll do some like noises to help facilitate. Great. Thank you. Um, uh, a lot of it's like <gasps> oh, <laughs> um, sometimes it's like oh what? <laughs> um, sometimes it's like. Um, sometimes it's genuinely delightful uh, and I would give a genuine laugh which I can't seem to muster up right now Um, a lot of shock and awe Mm -hmm. I will say Um, yeah sitting down I get very excited when I see uh, how they choose to present the title of the film 
It really says a lot. Uh, is it going to sweep over across the, what does the film think itself is? I think is always very funny. Does it understand that it is a bad movie? Which sometimes it does, and that very much impresses me when they see their work and they're like, okay, we know what we did. Um, and sometimes they are just incredibly clueless. They'll have like emotional swelling music under scenes that are just the flat, flat as the plane from Michigan that I'm from. And that's fascinating as well. A lot of turning to your friends on the couch or watching it with me uh, and laughing together. Um, a lot of, uh, uh, I repeat jokes a lot, which oh, is like yeah. a terrible habit that I have. Um, but so it's a lot of me being like, oh my God, he just said, and then <laughs> repeating the joke over uh, <laughs> to my um, couch mates. Yeah, just a lot of delight, a lot of silliness and a lot of delight. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. That. <laughs> This was a silly and delightful uh, episode for me to make. Oh Thank you, Maggie. Yeah. Do you have plugs for people? And also, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hitting you with this from the blue, but if there's something that has nothing to do with your own work that you think people just got to see, uh, the audience, they want to know. Okay, great. So I guess I'll, so for me, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie May Fish. The May is with an E, not a Y. Uh, like my dead great-grandmother. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you can also find me on YouTube uh, where you can find my video essays on similar-ish topics. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'll tweet out my comedy stuff as well. Um, you can find me there. And yeah, uh, I will say just another thing that is delightful um, and also just uh, a gift to us is uh, Noelle Fieldling, who is one of the newer judges on The British Bake Off, uh, also from The Mighty Boosh, if you watch that comedy show, um, has his own solo BBC show that I had no idea existed. It's all on YouTube. It's called uh, Luxury Comedy. It's crazy, uh, cr crazy and absurd. Uh, but he is a delight. Uh, his comedy is very funny, but it's very warm, which I like. It's very like, yeah, you want you want to uh, spend an afternoon with him. There's no He's, punching down. He is wonderful. I, yeah. I'm a big fan of Noel Fielding's. Guys, thank you so much. This has been At Least There's This, a podcast about some of the small good things in uh, in our outlaw West world. If you guys liked this podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated this podcast, share it with an enemy. If you're neutral about this podcast, share it with a stranger. <laughs> Every little bit of sharing goes a, a long, long way to getting people to listen to it. Um, if you guys are right now, it's, it's the evening. You've had a long day. You're sitting on the couch. Your friend hooked up their VCR, and they're like, you know what we should watch? This movie called Angel Fist. <laughs> Uh, and they're about to put it in, and you're you're not sure what you're going to get. Do this to me to mitigate your anxiety. Pull out your phone. I want you to go to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Find at least there's this. Subscribe mm. and give me five stars. Maybe also give me a review. It helps a long way in uh, getting people to see this podcast. And then sit back and enjoy, enjoy a movie <laughs> that could really – the only thing one could say about it is that if looks could kill – they wouldn't need to kick. Bum, bum, bum. Have a great day, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Bye.